Tanisha Tracy here to talk about The Walking Dead. We're up to episode six of season nine, and it's called Who Are You Now? Uh, I'm Tracy. Hey, everyone. All right, and I'm Tanisha. We're both here. We're both ready to go. But before we jump right into episode six, we did get some great uh, feedback from our listener, Melissa, on last week's episode. So I'd like to read through what she had to say, and then um, we'll see if Tamisha and I have something to to add to that as well. But she always gives some great detailed uh, feedback. So here we go. Melissa says, I, this is last week, I found that even though it's Tuesday evening, I'm just now realizing and able to start wrapping my mind around the fact that the time jump has happened, that next week we'll see prepubescent Judith and the new characters. I guess I've been thinking the show was taking a break, or I was thinking it will be a while before we see where Rick went. So it made sense that it would be a while before we saw the five new characters, etc. I find myself agreeing with Tamish. How about that, Tamish? Did <laughs> um, you think anything else? <laughs> and how she was reacting to what happened to Rick. And I have some random questions and thoughts. I feel like this was kind of a trick, like the Glenn under the dumpster thing, a trick they played on the fans rather than a smart move, a twist I wasn't expecting but appreciating. It almost feels like a money grab. Let's take our most profitable IP and make it into a universe if it worked for Marvel, dot, dot, dot. I wonder if they'd seen the ratings for this season if they'd made the same decision to go with this movie idea. I find myself more interested in knowing what's happening, like in a completely different part of the world, or learning some backstories of some of the characters who maybe already died, rather than seeing Rick in a new location knowing that his, quote, family are grieving for him. I also wonder at the choice to kill off Carl, now that we know not only that Rick is going elsewhere, but that they thought about killing Rick off last season. I guess they wanted Rick to be leaving with no blood relatives being left behind, but it would be too sad for Carl to think his dad was dead when he wasn't too unbelievable that Rick would willingly stay wherever the helicopter takes him if Carl, if Carl was still alive back at home. But it will be okay for us to believe she willingly stays when it's just Michonne and Judith back home? Question, question, question. I thought Daryl's lower lip quiver was the saddest part of the whole episode. How did no one hear the helicopter? Was he taken so far downstream that they wouldn't have heard it? I agree with Tamish. Again, Tamish. <laughs> the horse was amazingly tame and patient, which made it all the more unbelievable that it threw Rick and then waited around for him to get unstuck on the rebar. All in all, Rick defied death about four times in episodes three and four. Thanks for the great podcast. Can't wait to listen next week, Melissa. So first of all, thank you, Melissa. Even though you agree with Tamish a lot, I'm okay with that because, like I said, uh, uh, like I said, I respect that other opinion, that other point of view. I can appreciate that. I can see where you're coming from. It's not as much how I felt, but I can I can appreciate the logic, um, you know, and where you're going. Um, yeah, as, as far as like you know, killing off Carl and you know thinking that you're talking about the bloodline and everything. I, I mean, I think. Um, Melissa's seeing it as, as a stretch also, I think, as I do, that, well, you know, Michonne and Judith are his family. You know, people like to point at the bloodline and we've talked and hashed that out before. But um, if I'm understanding correctly, I think that she, too, um, is curious that, you know, why would that make a difference? They're, they're um, her family, and we can certainly see 
flash forward to this week's episode that they're definitely feeling his loss. They're definitely, um, you know, are his family. So um, as far as there was one I was going to, I thought it's interesting. Um, he's talked about wanting to see what's going on in, in um, different parts of the world. I think a lot of people feel like that. And um, her mention of learning some backstories of people that have passed, I think, I think Scott Gimple kind of alluded to that maybe on the Talking Dead last week that there were these three movies that were Rick centric, but that there were going to be other things in the work that maybe do just that. So maybe Melissa, maybe that will be coming for you um, down the road. But but what do you think, Tamisha? I'm sure you're happy that she agrees so much with you. But uh, what else do you think? <laughs> well, I was going to say first of all, I want I saw that uh, Melissa. Uh, Unbeknownst to her, gave a shout out to um, Marvel. So we have to make sure we tip our hats and offer condolences to Stanley, who passed. Yes, you are so and correct. So want to make sure that you know mm-hmm. all our listeners know that we. I am. I know me personally. I'm a huge fan of some of the Marvel um, uh, storylines. Yeah. And so he will be missed, and I appreciated every little cameo that he had in any movies that he went to. Um, so, but I think that, uh, Melissa, the one point that I will just touch on is about the helicopter. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure, Melissa, how no one ever heard that helicopter. Um, and the only thing that I can think of is that people might have heard something and then just kind of dismissed it because why would you think a helicopter was flying around during the apocalypse? It's kind of like, uh, did I really hear that? And then, you know, it's gone. So it's, yeah. I think that it's, it's one of those thoughts where it's just in passing, where you think you hear something and you just kind of get yeah. it. Because I was in complete agreement with that statement with you. Mm-hmm. How the heck do you not hear a helicopter? <laughs> because I hear helicopters where I'm just sitting in my home, and I'm like, whoa, why is there a helicopter flying <laughs> on that right. point? I yeah, I tried to, to, to make sense of that as well and um I, I i mean you're right sometimes you even think you hear something you're not sure and then the noise is gone and you're like was that is that what that was and there was so much chaos going on with them still having to um you know deal with a blown up bridge and explosion and dealing with emotions and you know letting everybody know what was going on so um you know because we heard all the talk on the walkie talkies but the only other thing that i thought about was she had given the helicopter people her location, which is like 1.6 miles or something from the junkyard. So then I had to wonder how far is the junkyard from the bridge? Because it sounds like she wasn't that far from the junkyard. So could the junkyard be that close to the bridge that they would still hear it? Or, I mean, that water was rushing. So all I can assume is maybe that it was really rushing them downstream um, quickly. Or, or we don't know how much time passed either. Um between the two necessarily so yeah all, all i can do is try to make sense of it but i, I have the same question so sounds like we're all on the same page there so good stuff melissa thanks for sharing we always appreciate yes, it thank feedback. you for your questions i do, we do appreciate it thank you and uh, we heard a little bit from sharon about this week's episode so we'll get to that later but we wanted to touch on um the feedback from last week's episode before we get going. So, episode Who Are You Now, episode six, we thought we'd go with um, a different little format tonight since we were introduced to so many new characters and there were so many changes, um, exactly like the title says, Who Are You Now? we got to kind of catch up with everyone and 
Where is their location? What do they look like? How have they changed? Where are they dealing with? So we're just going to highlight the different characters. A few of them we might talk a little bit more in depth. But we thought um, we would do the Walking Dead yearbook edition. So we're going to be picture them in their yearbook with their photo. What is their hairstyle now? What do they look like? What are those activities listed underneath them in the yearbook page? What are they up to? What are they involved with? We're going to kind of do the Walking Dead yearbook. So we're going to start off with Daryl. Here we go. Okay, so Daryl is sporting about the same haircut that we've seen for the last several seasons, the long, shaggy haircut. He appears to be living on his own out in the woods. We see him in a tent. We see him in a large, like, poncho that almost looks like a tent material. He's, he's, he's an outdoors living on his own guy from what I can tell. Um, it looks like he is has just really been struggling with this change. Granted, it's six years later, but he's it, it concerned me from the beginning that he's out there on his own because we know most people need people, and I think Daryl needs people, but when something traumatic happens, it's easy to shut down and, and just be on your own um, and not risk getting hurt again. So I'm hurting for Daryl. He's out in the woods, but by the end of the episode – um, and Carol does encounter him. Now, has Carol known where he's been all along all these years, that he's out on his own? Has she been sort of keeping tabs on him? Have they been meeting over time and she's checking in on him again? I don't know. But I was encouraged by the end of the episode that um, she finds him and hopes that maybe he will start making some of those connections again. Because I, I worry about Daryl out there alone. We know he's getting a dog, so he would not be completely alone. But... um I think Daryl needs his people, so it was, it was kind of tough seeing him like that. But I can only hope that things will will kind of turn around for him. Oh, um, okay. okay, that makes sense. Okay. Um. So I guess next we mentioned Carol. We should probably uh, touch base on her and um, Henry and Ezekiel. They're living together as a family at the kingdom. They're trying to do lots of repairs there. Um, Carol is sporting a new haircut, and a haircut is really not the term, uh, new hair growth. She's got long hair going on. And part of me likes that because it's a little more, like, relaxed, like it kind of makes me think a little ethereal, like she's able to, you know, enjoy her family, enjoy being the queen to Ezekiel being the king. Um, but, and I love Melissa, and I love Carol. But it's straggly. I feel like they need to brush her hair or braid it or something. I know they don't have all the products there, you know, like we do in the the current functioning world. But I I think it could look um, nicer. It just it looks kind of straggly to me, unkempt. So I don't know if you have an opinion on that look or not. To me, do you like to weigh in there? Okay, I think that um, I think that Carol, I think Carol looks older, and I think uh-huh. that the point of her looking older is because she has now accepted her relationship with um, Ezekiel okay. as mm-hmm. becoming Henry's mom. So mm-hmm. I think that the for me her hairstyle represents her be, 
becoming older, becoming wiser, if you will. Uh-huh, uh-huh. have always been a wise individual to me, and I think that it is her becoming a different type of mother, but becoming uh-huh. a mother again. Because I, I believe right. that when before we saw Carol like this, she was more representative of warrior, I'm on my own, I don't need anyone, and now we have more of a homebody where we don't always have time to do our hair, we're more into making sure the community is where it needs to be, and so I think that it actually, her hair actually is a very good representation of what I think I was going to be disappointed in her character about until she said, you know what, I may have taken on these traits, but I still have a little bit of the old Carol in me because yeah. I'm trying to protect my son. All right, still very, very protective. Yes, we will, we will talk about that shortly. Okay, so do you think it's a – I like all those things you said about um, what it, the meaning perhaps behind it. I think that, that's, I think that says a lot. I think those are really good insights. Do you like the look personally? I think that I, I do. I think that okay. I think that it goes along with her personality okay. and who she gets to become. Awesome. All right. So, um, yes, Carol, uh, we see her talking to Jerry. We still see Jerry around. Um, you know, because we're going to these six years. We don't know if we're going to still see everybody, you know, this week. But we did have a Jerry sighting, so that made me feel good. They hear a pipe burst, and Henry, who now does refer to Carol and Ezekiel as mom and dad, they are an intact family unit, um, is trying to fix the pipe. And, of course, they're, you know, a little concerned about him being down there doing that, but they all come to the rescue and, and fix the pipe. And they're dealing with this situation of what does Henry do now? Because Henry is grown, um, you know, it's been six years. So uh, most of you have probably heard by now that Henry is now be play, being played by Matt Lentz, who is the older brother of Maxim Lentz that was playing the younger Henry. Um, but, yes, he's like a, you know, definitely a, a teenager, uh, probably an older teen now, and they're talking about him going to the hilltop to um, be like an apprentice for the blacksmith. So, they're, you know, it's hard to cut those strings and let your your kid go. So there's some concern about that. Will he be safe and is he ready? Um, but they decide to, to get him over to the hilltop for that, and Carol's going to take him. But uh, she takes a bit of a detour, um, and they run into some rogue saviors, Jed, uh, Regina, and, and some others that uh, do do a trick on them and, and, you know, are calling for help. And Henry, we can see, is definitely a first responder, he, and he has this great heart, and he wants to go help. Well, they lure them in, and um, they capture them and steal their supplies um, that they were things they were taking, I guess, with them uh, to the hilltop on the on the trip with Henry. So it's uh, it's it's upsetting. Uh, Jed takes Carol's ring. Um, he gets into an altercation with Henry when Henry tries to fight back with the with his staff. Um, and uh, it's but they do let them go. They say you can go. You can take your wagon, your horse, and just take these supplies. And we'll be done with it. Um, and uh, Henry has a talk with Carol about, you know, they talk about trying to do the do the right things and fight the wrong things. And, you know, he's upset that she lost her ring and so forth. Um, but, you know, Carol's going to, 
you know, let it go. But she doesn't let it go. She um, she goes back to see the saviors. She basically lights them all on fire with their own supplies that they have, you know, either had or stolen and the match that's in Jeff's mouth. And um, she gets her ring back. And Henry does notice that on their way the next day, but they don't really talk about it, um, how she got it back. But um, Carol dealt with that situation. So I, I like what you mentioned earlier, Tamish, how it's kind of a contrast that we were seeing with the longer hair, maybe a little more relaxed, getting into her new family unit, trusting people. But there's very much part of the original older Carol um, still there. So, which I, I assume you would agree. I think that's what you were alluding to. Exactly. That's exactly what I was alluding to. I think we also have this situation where we have um, Henry who runs into, uh, once again, Henry, uh, you can tell, oh, that Henry is very inexperienced because uh-huh. he should, should not have run uh, hearing someone call for help. And that is where I happen to agree with his father, Ezekiel, where he was saying he's, you know, he's not ready. Because he mm-hmm. still has this whole, um, I think this whole kumbaya type of attitude where he thinks uh, that he can save the world and everything that people do uh, is good, everybody is good, and only the walkers are bad out there. And I think that it was shown when he ran. And that lady said, the Savior was like, yeah, thank you so much for being my Savior. And I was just... But for me, it was predictable. I knew that was going to happen because I, yeah. I, there was no reason for him to run around there and the camera follow him. Uh-huh. Was, yeah. I knew that he was going to run into somebody, but I think that it was just interesting that he's so he's green. Henry is so green. So I, I don't foresee Henry making it very far, and unfortunately, I think that um, Carol and Ezekiel are going to experience a loss. He's going to fight hard. Oh, he's going to fight yeah. very hard. But mm-hmm. I think he's a little too naive. And I think that he's going to want to try to save everybody. And that ultimately gets you killed in the apocalypse. And I think that's so you, what we're on our way to. Yep. That's my so you don't think, with, you don't think with, the, with the combination of both of them as parents that they that they might be able to train him and influence him to have some more protective um, or be a little more skeptical. You think that won't, you know, sort of wash off on him? You think he's? I think that I think that it probably would have if he had stayed put. But he's going to be on his way back for the fair. So you have two things going against Henry. One, he's moving away from the safe safety of his of Carol and Ezekiel. Two, he has a goal or destination that he has to come back to. Oftentimes, right. when you try to come back to something in the apocalypse, you never make it, and it never happens. So oh, I don't know point. that Henry's going to make it back to the fair. Mm-hmm. And thank you for mentioning the fair, because that did sound uh, sound interesting, this big event that's coming up, and they're talking about hoping that it will pull the communities together again. So um, thank you for pointing that out so that we don't miss that. That could be, um, you know, that could be a pivotal event this season who knows will we get to see the fair in these next couple episodes before the break or not um don't know i think that the fair is going to be broken up by an extreme amount of walkers the fair if it wasn't going to have you know have something 
Right. We might be wrong. We have a new showrunner, so I've, I maybe we do. But uh, we'll in, in, in classic like TV storytelling, if we have a fair and we get all these people in one place together, we know that could be dangerous to have, you know, so many people together at the same time. So what's that thing with uh? What was it? Did you watch Designated Survivor? Yeah. Like you always have to have someone pulled out to in case. Something goes yes. wrong. Um, yes. So I don't really, I didn't watch that, so I don't really know the details. But um, kind of made me think of that. So okay, well, um, in talking about Henry and our concerns about him wanting to help everyone, um, maybe we should shift over to Judith because she also wants to help people. Did you want to play or pass? As far as I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it right on to you. <laughs> okay. At my two cents. Okay. Um, well, Judith, you know, it, she is grown um, quite a bit. She's maybe 10 or 11, probably about the same age as Carl was when we first met him on the show. And um, she also is trying to help people. She, um, she, We found out she was not out in the woods alone uh, when she found this new group of, of survivors and helped them escape walkers. She was out there with um, Aaron and Rosita, and Gabriel, and Eugene, and they were all panicked looking for her when they didn't know where she was, and she was out helping these folks. So she she had gone a little bit rogue herself, apparently, and left her group and was helping these others. So there's a lot of debate about whether these newcomers uh, should should be let in or not allowed to okay. stay. But, but, yeah, she's being a helper. Um, she remembers her dad and her brothers, but she mentions that she's concerned about missing their voices, that they're starting to fade, and that's really a heartbreaking kind of moment. But she does, I think she shows a lot of strength. Um, she she is clearly standing up for what she thinks is right, um, and she has some interaction with Negan. He's still around in the prison, and uh they're doing homework together, but she calls him out on some of his decisions, and uh, she talks a little smack with him, and I like that. I like that spunk. Of course, you and I are definitely partial to spunky young girls. We have daughters that are pretty spunky, so we are partial, we are partial to that. But um, she is obviously a protect mode. She's trying to protect Michonne as well. We see her on the stairs. I guess that's with Rick's gun. Um and that made me a little nervous. Like out in the woods when she's shooting walkers and saving people, that's that's like okay. But then when I see her brandishing this large gun just sitting on the stairs, it makes me a little nervous. Like put that thing away. So it's just kind of funny how the different environment affected me differently. Um, but what, what do you think as far as the contrast of her wanting to help people versus Henry? Do you think Judith is smarter? Do you think she's uh, more seasoned even though she's younger? Do you trust her judgment better than Henry's at this point? Um, uh, no, I don't. I think okay. she has more protection because of uh, who's who's surrounded uh, with her mm-hmm. to protect mm-hmm. her. And yeah. I think that um, no one in their right mind would have let any child. I don't care who you are to talk to you are, Megan. But I'm sure uh-huh. they, know they know what's going on. So okay. no, I don't trust. I do this. Uh, uh, judgment. I think she's young, and I think she's uh, as. Uh, oh, I think that she uh, doesn't understand. 
I think she just has her own world and her own view because this is all she's ever grown up to know. So she was not exposed to the war, to all the, uh, you know, the evilness, that stuff that has occurred. So I think that she's right. naive also, but I do think that um, Judith has a little more protection than Henry. So I okay. think that she will survive a little bit more. Okay, okay. Um. Now, we're able to uh, run through these new folks that she has let in and that she thinks should be helped. Um, we have Magna, Kelly, Connie, Luke, and Yumiko. Try to say all those, you know, really fast three times in a row. That'd be a bit of a tongue twister. But um, there's some cool names in there. Um, and they seem like some pretty cool people. We don't know everything about them, if we can trust them, but... We see some good qualities. We see teamwork among among them. They Luke explains in the the meeting or the little almost like a little trial or hearing that um they're very much like a family, even though back in the original world they wouldn't have much in common or maybe really hang out, but they've become this unit together. They were, you know, covering each other and, and fighting to protect each other. Um Magna seems to be kind of the leader, um, although Luke seems more of an ambassador and like speaking for them because Magna has uh, seems more emotional uh, when she talks about things. She's got a little bit of a, you know, a chip on her shoulder or this defensive guard up. Um, and, and we know that she's hiding a few things. She was hiding a knife in her belt. Um, Michonne pointed out that she'd been in prison, which, you know, is not necessarily mean anything for her now and her ability to, to, you know, be a good person now, but she does call her out on that. Like, you're not totally telling us your background. You said you just were a waitress with that, you know. So she's kind of calling her out there. We find out at the end of the episode, she, you know, she had that necklace from Yumiko um, that also was a weapon. So she's kind of holding out um, on people, but they do seem to look to her as a bit of a leader. So I kind of see Luke as, like, kind of, um, speaking for the group, Magna making some of the bold decisions for the group, um, and Kelly and Connie are sisters, and Connie is deaf, and um, so she uses ASL, American Sign Language, and then Kelly um, interprets with other people, but I kind of get the impression from some things I've read and just some of the scenes we saw this week that the whole group of five of them are kind of learning, the others are kind of learning sign language as well. Um, and they can they they have a they can communicate well with one another. But I love seeing that diversity and that representation on screen of differing abilities and different communication um, methods. We didn't see much of Yumiko except that she hit her head, um, yeah. I guess, when she fell, and so she was in the infirmary. And um, I wanted to, if you don't follow her on Instagram, it's Eleanor Matsura. I hope I'm saying that right. She uh, posted a picture on Instagram um, today, and she explained why she was in the infirmary, that that really wasn't planned, but that she got stuck in London. I guess there were some visa issues and um, just some, you know, red tape or something that kept her stuck in London, and so she couldn't get there to film all of the scenes that they were originally written as. So I thought that was some interesting intel. That's why she was actually in the infirmary. Um, but I suspect we'll be seeing a lot more of her uh, going forward. And so the end game here is Sadiq, who is still around, still serving as the doctor. Um, he, um, you know, 
I guess, helps nurse her back to health or stability anyway, where she's stable enough to travel. And they're going to kick her out or kick all of them out. Like, you know, thanks for stopping by, but we don't take new people. And then part of the conversation that Judith has with Michonne and, and um, she, uh, Michonne eventually says, okay, I'm not going to let you stay here, but I'm going to take you um, to the hilltop and let their leader decide if they'll take you, and that might be an option for you. So she she concedes a little bit. So he's not kicking them right back out um, into the woods on their own. So we will see what comes of that. So we kind of covered Sadiq and uh, Matt and Kelly, Connie, Luke, and Yumiko. And we talked a little bit about Negan. He's still in the prison. He's a little – he's a little um, – not so broken anymore. I mean, he's able to to joke and and talk with uh, Judith, but as Judith points out very well, he's still stuck in prison for um, all of his poor decisions. Um, uh, we see former savior Laura. I know. I guess would you call her now Alexandrian? Now she's on the council that is grilling all these new people. Um, Gabriel is on that council. Aaron. And I'm really yeah. not sure why they have a council. Councils don't tend to work out for these uh, guys. You're not, you're not a fan of the councils. <laughs> so I'm not sure why we even have another council, but I don't know how long it's been in effect, but obviously. Yeah. It's just, it's a, yeah. Since it's, it's the time jump, because they obviously have not met for a while because they don't really bring people in, but I, I, I really don't know why they have a council. It's either yes or no. And really. Yeah. Even though it's yes or no, one person really has to say. Even though they seem like they know, you know, all those people up there were voting, but really it, it came down to whether or not one yeah. person wanted them in there. And whatever she said went, so. Yeah, so it's kind of like, you go ahead, you vote, but here's clearly what I think, and uh, so don't cross me <laughs> kind of thing. But, no, that's a very interesting point about councils and how well yeah. do they, they actually function. But, um, yeah, we do see Aaron on that council, and he tried to take the the heat for Judith bringing all these new people in. But Judith stood up, and she said, no, it really was my decision. Um, we also see that um, Aaron is still raising baby Gracie, who is now, you know, presumably like six years old. So um, that was interesting to see. I'm glad that she's still around and made it. Um, and then we um, – why don't we talk a little bit more about Gabriel? Tell us, uh, Tanish, what is Gabriel up to? How is he functioning? What's, what does he look like in his picture in the yearbook? What's he got going on? Okay. Well, to be Gabriel has um, – <laughs> Gabriel is becoming a little uh, player uh, <laughs> in, in the <laughs> – in the apocalypse, we we quickly <laughs> forgot about Anne. He she just flew away yeah. on the on the uh, helicopter, and he um I guess <laughs> for a little bit, and then he went on to um what um was a little bit of a shocker to uh, Rosita. That is the oddest couple right there. <laughs> I, just, you know, I just I was not uh, I was taken back by a little bit because to me um. Rosita, uh, to me, seems like she needs someone that's a go-getter or someone that's, you know, a little more aggressive than Father Gabriel. Um, and I think that um, Father Gabriel <laughs> has become more um, 
what is it, settled. That's what I want uh-huh. to know. Okay, okay. Or um, he really now has accepted his role as being a peacekeeper and being someone that uh, really believes um, in God and that is really trying to follow those those testaments. However, in the same breath, you know, he will get down and dirty with it, and, you know, and kill a few walkers. But right now, it seems like he's kind of uh, getting ready to go rogue, which has put Rosita exactly, uh, yeah, in in the way because now you're yeah. not following the rules of what they have decided, which was to stay put. So I right. think that Father Gabriel he continues to exude one image of you know what I'm calm and I'm settled. You know, but maybe it's the fact that him and Rosita are kicking it together and in a, a relationship, whatever that's going to be. And then, that, and then maybe that is what's pushing him um, forward. I, I just, I don't see him and Rosita lasting. I think maybe Eugene's going to try to okay. make a play for Rosita, and then Rosita's <laughs> yeah. going to be like, "I'm not dealing with either one of you. How about that?" <laughs> oh, I, I, I personally think Abraham was the only one that could handle Rosita, but. Okay, so I, interesting. So I think that Father Gabriel is playing two sides of the Okay, okay. Yeah, um, one thing I did think about with, with the two of them um, being like a couple, I remember the, some of those scenes where she would talk to him in the church. I don't know if it was season six or seven, but, you know, she had lost Abraham, you know, to, she had lost him to Sasha, Um this is before he and um, Megan got to him. But, um, you know, she was struggling for a long time with her place in in the community, you know. And who were her friends? Who were her people, her family? And she seemed kind of like a loner. Um, and I remember him being a good listener, you know, in a pastoral way um, for her. And, yeah, I mean, maybe she appreciates that that side of him, that he does care and that he listens, Um but, you know, who knows what, what the connection was. But So you don't think, and I'm joking here, but you, you don't think that uh, he pined after Anne for all those six years, wondering what happened to her and, and just maybe turned to Rosita. Do you, know, you think he got over Anne pretty quickly? Well, I think that the way that they did the time <laughs> jump, they don't allow you to sit and, sit and wallow in it. So. Yeah. I, I can only, my thought process is, yes, I think that he got over a fairly quickly, even though six years have passed. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. I think he forgave her. Uh, but I do think once someone tries to, you know, stick a walker on you, that's pretty much a deal breaker. So, um, yeah, I was just kind of joking around. But, I, you know, I don't know how long he and Rosita have cared about one another, but I, I do doubt that um, he was thinking about Anne for too much longer after everything that happened. Um, so, uh, Eugene, there are, he seems to be, I think he's always been kind of pining after Rosita, but he's starting to talk about it now, and uh, he seems to feel still threatened by Gabriel, and it just all sounds kind of odd. And she even said, don't make this weird, you know, when they're in this um, crisis situation. She's like, just stop talking. Don't make it weird. We need to protect ourselves here. Um, and you kind of alluded to a possible, maybe a possible love triangle with the three of them. Uh, I don't know if all three of them would think of it that way, but who knows? 
Um, but they are they are stuck out in the woods running from these walkers that they hear talking. Um, so I think we kind of, from the previews, spoiler alert in case you don't watch previews, they do seem to make it back to talk about their experience. Um, but they, it is kind of hairy there for a while when Eugene falls off the tower where they're putting up the repeater because they're trying to reach more people further out. And, uh, again, going against Michonne, you know, they were breaking the rules, like you said, too. So I don't know. What is it like after six years, a seven year itch or something? Everybody's trying to break the rules and try to go their own way. I don't know. Me either. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I guess we're going to find out because we only have two more episodes before this, uh, before we get to the mid season finale. So I, I yeah. don't know if they're going to tie up these ends quickly or what because they spoiled us and been moving us along quickly. So we'll see. Uh, let me see. So we were talking about Father Gabriel. Uh-huh. I guess we got to touch on Michonne. So Michonne has changed. Obviously, the biggest change first is the hairstyle. We see the hairstyle has changed, so we got to swoop to the side is what I call it now. Oh, so, yep. and then, and now she, at first, I, I really thought that Michonne was going back to being, you know, angry and upset. And she, I think she kind of is, but I think she's also mourning. Which is kind of um, interesting on how it all played out because she was so hard on uh, Maggie and trying to get, you know, with her grieving for Glenn. But I think now she probably has more of an understanding uh, about how it is to lose someone in a tragic death to the apocalypse, and there's nothing you can do. So we have that, and it looks like she's taking another leadership role, whether she wanted it or not. Uh-huh. And so on top of that, she's also a mother, a mother of two, to be exact, a mother of uh, Judith and RJ, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm assuming stands for Rick Jr., I guess. Okay. And so so we have that, and we have her, I think now she's struggling not only with grief, but also struggling to find her way um, now mm-hmm. because she does not have uh, Rick there. And so I think that uh, I'm starting to see, I started to see a little bit of how she was when um, she was at the prison trying to find the governor. So uh-huh. okay. I, think, yep. I think that'll be uh, interesting to see how all of this plays out and what happens when we get to uh, the other compounds uh, bringing our new strangers in. And I agree with her. She does, They do not need to bring in any new people. That okay. only, that only causes trouble. So I, I. So you are you are down with that decision? You totally, you hundred percent agree with Michelle there. Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. It's too okay. late in the game to be bringing in new people. If anything, people can live outside the gates and then come in. How about that? We could do that. We can start a little village outside the gates. Oh, I mean that's not it. So about a hundred to two hundred and fifty yards away. You can't have it just kind of camped out in front of the gate, but you got to okay, be like to... an like an annex sort of. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that works, and then you can come in and you know and contribute so that you can get food, or we can teach you how to grow. But yeah, oh. you cannot live within the main compound. So that idea? We are we are beyond welcoming in new people right now. And then everybody okay. always wants to go explore later. Just be all right where you are. But that's all right. Mm-hmm. We're going to see. What do you think about her talking to Rick? Do you think this is 
um, a good a thing. I think that's a normal part of the grieving process. Yeah, mm-hmm. she sounds crazy, but I think that's a normal part. No, I don't process. think she sounds crazy. I, I, I do. I don't, I, if you if you if like when a dude walks up on her, I think she did sound a little crazy. However, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but she uh-huh. does. She does. Okay. She's, if she's she's talking to someone that's not there and okay. having full conversations. Let me see. I think it can be a very healthy coping mechanism, though, um, which I, I know you agree, but it could be seen as as odd. Certainly, if you don't know the circumstances, or even even if you do, it may not work for all people, but I think some people too, like Rick, you know, with the telephone and hearing the voices on the telephone and stuff, I don't know if that was as functional or healthy as what, I see hers as healthy. It may seem a little odd, but it seems like it's kind of working for her and helping her um, cope with things, whereas his, Rick's like talking to people on that fake phone or whatever, that seems Uh a little odd you know like like maybe that wasn't good for his psyche like maybe it was messing with him but anyways um what do you think about the x on her her back that huge awful scar no idea i just no left idea. that i left that i left that egg alone i don't i don't mm-hmm. know where you got that from at first i thought maybe she gave somebody a kidney but then i was like huh? you know what i'm not gonna make an assumption but yeah. obviously we're going to find out what it is because they would not have zoomed in on it. So. Right, right. Um, now, what do you think about little RJ? There was a lot of speculation about him not looking like he was old enough to be Rick's son, that they thought maybe he was a hallucination. Um, or uh, one uh, fan, uh, Thomas, um I saw on Facebook had he thought that RJ, you know, was their son, and but that he didn't make it through those six years, like that his growth is, is stunted, and that maybe he's a hallucination. The way that Michonne was talking to Rick, um, that something, whatever this bad thing that happened in these six years that has her so like hesitant to let people in, he thought, what if you know maybe uh, little Rick Jr was uh, killed somehow during that period or that event, and that's why he looks so young and that he's not really real. And then um, Angela Chang said in an uh, Entertainment Weekly interview with Dalton Ross, um, she says that uh, she confirms it, but there's still a little hesitation on my part. Um, she says, the question is, speaking of kids, is that Rick and Michonne's son we see scampering into the hallway looking for food? He says, yes, that is. That is Rick Jr., RJ, who's scampering around. And then um, Dalton asks, what a great, or says, what a great way to reveal almost as an unexpected butt to that scene. She says, we thought that was a fun thing because we had this big reveal of Judith. So we felt like, let's give Judith her moment in the sun. But we started setting up, really, at the beginning of the season, that this was something that Michonne and Rick were in, interested in. In episode three, they go, well, let's maybe start planning for the future. In other ways, that was part of their hopefulness, that they believed that they could build a world where children could thrive. The kind of tragedy of it is that Rick was not around to see this happen. But for Michonne, it's just another person that she is fighting for and that she wants to keep safe. But it's part of what plays into some of the philosophy and decisions behind Alexand- how Alexandria is run, which is a big part of the story going forward for the season. So, in that response, 
Tamish, does she confirm that he is actually alive now? Or does she I, just confirm that they get, had a son? Oh, yeah, I didn't get that uh, he wasn't real. So I was going to say, I didn't pick up on that, and I guess uh-huh. from that statement, no. So I guess I'll just have to watch and see. So yeah. I, it didn't throw me for a loop because I – Anybody that says, you know, he wasn't big enough until they show me that, you know, he's not real. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Remember how long Judas was growing. So I yeah. throw that back out yeah. to the naysayers. But then, so, but like I said, I'm not above reproach and someone saying, oh, look at these. So if we find out later, he's not really there. <laughs> that, uh, then I'll, right. you know, I'll eat crow and I'll take that. But right now, I, I, I didn't follow. I don't follow. Fair point. If we're going to get picky about ages looking correct and growth and time, then there are a lot more um, obvious cases of, of, of issues with that than, than this little fella. Um, you know, we, we, we could talk about a lot of other characters <laughs> before we talked about him. But um, did you think he looked a little young to be five years old? Or you just don't – it's just fine. You're just – Good. I think that I'm, I'm good. I'm good with how he looks because I was I okay. was caught up in the whole glow of oh my god they have a baby. Yeah, so yeah. Yep. I thought so. he was a cute little fella, and I think it's hard to tell how old someone is, children, when they're in pajamas. You know, everybody looks really young in little pajamas. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of I think that makes it kind of hard to tell. But I, I'm hoping that it's he's full on there still living that all this was just, you know, speculation and stuff um, because I think it's, it's, it's very sweet and uh, it'll be fun to have a little brother for Judas. Yeah. So, so and, did we get on all the uh, yearbooks, yearbook people? I think we did. Um, a couple pages uh, were missing. A couple photos were missing from the yearbook. We did not see Enid or Maggie. Or Tara. And I think what we've heard is that we're not going to see Maggie probably for the rest of the season. Um, or, or at least not for now. We don't know what's going to happen with her show. Or I think the door's kind of open. But I, I don't know if they're going to address her or not. Because they mention her as a hilltop, as in a female leading hilltop. But I you know, seriously don't think that's Maggie because, you know, we know she was only going to be in a few episodes so I'm wondering if Tara or Enid might be the new leader at Hilltop. I guess we're gonna find out. I hope we find out soon. Yeah. So, and we didn't, we didn't see Cindy. Like we don't know how many of the Oceanside people made it out of that huge altercation at the the bridge camp. Correct. Um, so there's you know there's a few stragglers that we're kind of waiting here about. We haven't seen Alvin again. Um, he's listed in the credits, but we haven't seen him. But I'm really glad we saw Sadiq because you know he's my new crush. And I did, I did. I was watching with Rob, my husband, and I just, I just thought that I said he's so handsome. And then I turned to my husband like, I'm like, just like you. <laughs> he's like, he knows I'm so full of it with these different TV characters. But um, yeah, I was, I, I didn't know if he was gonna make the whole transition into the time jump. But um he's still 
helping people. Yes, he is. Doctors don't have a good uh, track record on The Walking Dead, so. (laughs) That's true, too. So he's making it so far. (laughs) I I hope we get more interaction with um, him and Judith, because, you know, when we talked to him at Walker Stalker Con, he talked about Rick welcoming him in and being really like an honorary member of that family. And he was helping with Judith, you know, when she was younger. And um, so I'm hoping that they've kept this you know, sort of sibling-type relationship. It would be interesting to see some interactions with them. Um, I'm real happy with the, the new Judith. What do you think of this little actress? It's too early to tell, but right now, so far, all the scenes that she's been in, she's, she, she's done okay. So yeah. we'll see how she does. She only has two, look, two, two more um, to do be in before the mid-season finale, so yeah. I'll, have, I'll have my eye on you. I don't need Judith. I think I think she's doing a great job, but not uh, you know she's. I, I like the spunk and thing they put. I mean, look at you know she's been raised by. Yeah, I don't care biologically whose bloodline she has. I mean that that certainly makes an impact. But being raised by you know Rick and Michelle and that influence, I'm you know it makes perfect sense that she's spunky and a little stubborn. Um, but uh, she's also has some typical child like behavior so I'm, I'm 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 buying it um i look forward to seeing what happens with her so um yeah all that's, right i think and that's I guess, about everybody and i yes i would agree with that and then who do you think uh, magna was looking at in the window when she went to uh, michonne's house wasn't she looking at michonne and rj but if rj is uh not real who was she looking at well, that's that's another argument that people make that he's got to be real that she was looking at them. She saw them too. It wasn't just Michonne, you know. I oh, think no, they I just like. No, I was asking in your opinion. I, I think I think he's real, and I assumed that he was real. I didn't start doubting it until I heard other people saying, "Well, what if this? What if you know we didn't see him, you know, with Judith and you know." Good so point. it got my yeah, it got my mind sort of you know, the conspiracy theory thing kind of going. But I, I totally, um, you know, believed it as I was watching that she saw them in the window and um, that we saw him. And I, I did think, well, he looks a little young. I, I, that, I did think that immediately. But um, then again, it's my pajama theory. It's little kids in pajamas. So not until I see him in his little jeans and cowboy boots am I going to really be able to make a solid opinion on his age. Uh, okay. So, and I certainly hope he has some little cowboy boots. He better. We'll see. If he's real, we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> oh. You believe he's real? You're not changing your mind. I do. You? I do. I believe he's a real little boy. Oh. <laughs> it's like Pinocchio. I'm a real I was going to say, boy. like Pinocchio. He's a real little boy. <laughs> oh, goodness. Goodness gracious. Well, I, um, I, you know, I know we haven't been really rating the episodes, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I was excited to see all the new things and where everyone was. Did, did you enjoy it, or are you reserving some judgment at this point, or what? No, no, no. I think I thought it was okay for a first episode with no Rick, no uh-huh. RG, yeah, RG one. So I thought it was okay. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah. It was, <laughs> It's kind of like watching it after uh, after everybody's got bashed in the head by Negan. So now we are 
Well, first episode without Rick. So I think it was okay. I was um I watched it. I watched it all the way through. I think that uh I'll be I don't read the comments and I think I've said that in the podcast before, so it took me very off guard to hear Walkers actually talking. And I was yeah. like, Oh Lord, what in the world? Mm-hmm. I said they they have evolved to start talking. I said, This is a problem and they're making full sentences. They're not just saying <laughs> they are like, where are they? We have to find them. Like they're making conscious statements of trying to find. Them. <laughs> so, so that helps. That helps propel the episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I've enjoyed. I like that there was a, a time jump again, but we've had a couple this season. I think if you know next couple episodes roll around and I see a. This is Rick. I'm Rick. Rick Grimes Jr. reveal like you know a ten year old boy. I'm 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 not. That's not going to be good. I don't need any more time jumps for a little while. Like keep the story rolling, but um, yeah. This is this is far enough. Far enough for now. Yep, we shall see. I I I agree with you on that part. Anyway, I think we've jumped enough, so let's keep it rolling right where we are. Before we go, we gotta give Sharon's feedback. She said, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Love seeing a quote normal Megan again. Whatever that means, Sharon. Hmm. Glad that Carol is still as devious as ever. Excited about the whisperers. But what's bugging me a bit is Lil Rick Jr. Okay, here we go. Do you think he is really there or is he to Michonne what the phone in the prison was to Rick? It's been a while since I've had a toddler type in the house, but I just find odd the little fellow would have been that quiet during her conversation with the newbie at the door and Junior. Little laugh emoji. Yeah, kids aren't usually that quiet when you're trying to talk to somebody else, either on the phone or at the door. But um, yeah, more speculation, more speculation. And and Pete uh, on Twitter did want to say that um, he is looking forward to Negan's comeback. And I just had to roll my Ooh. eyes at that piece, but Check whatever. No, no Negan. No, <laughs> um, no, no, no. And Sharonia was um, uh, very moved by the RJ reveal. Uh, gave her little heart flutters. This makes it emotional. Uh, she was also uh, surprised, as many were, about the uh, Gabriel Rosita. Gozita, as I say, reveal. So, um, thanks everyone. Uh, Jay is, all he said was the whisperer. So that's what, that's what he's looking forward to, um, and what he wants more of. So thanks everyone for chiming in on the episode. Send us some more feedback. Tell us if we forgot anybody on our yearbook list. Did we leave anybody's, uh, page out? Let us know. And, um, if you, what you thought about what we had to say about them, if you agree, disagree, or you had something else to share. So, thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter, at Tamish Tracy, our two names together, T-A-M-E-C-H-E-T-R-A-C-E-Y. You can interact with us there. You can send us some feedback. You can always send me an email to Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-Y, at SoManyShows.com. Tamish, what's uh, Tamish, you can reach her on her Twitter. Can you tell us what that is. For B, as in boy. So Tamish underscore B, as in boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
There you go. Uh, we are a proud partner of so many shows.com where you can find articles, reviews, recaps on so many different shows, as well as different shows, uh, that have podcasts on the so many shows podcast feed along, along with ours. So there might be something else out there that you're interested in listening to or reading about with so many shows.com. So send us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Um, oh, you know what we forgot, Tamish? What? We forgot Sharon's email. Sharon. We appreciate it, and we'll be back next week. Bye.